We can talk about anything you want Welcome to Jay Flon's Ignorance. This is episode Backyard 4. The Backyard series are where me and my friend, my friend and I, um, next door we're out in the backyard and we're running dogs around. And so it's very noisy and very distracting probably. And the audio quality is terrible and we do very little editing. Um, so this might not be your cup of tea. So you might want to go into the podcast feed and skip all the episodes that uh, start with Backyard and then a number. Uh, but here is this episode, and we hope that uh, you enjoy listening to it. Enjoy, or don't. It's up to you. Yeah, so you sent me a TikTok this morning where this guy, I couldn't I couldn't tell exactly what was happening, because this guy is talking to Joe Rogan, and he's like, oh, uh, <clears throat> Greta Thornburg, why the hell are we listening to a child who doesn't know anything about this stuff? And then it cuts, and it looks like he's having a revelation. You know, maybe, maybe that's what's happening where he's having a revelation and he's like, oh, of course we should listen to children. Well, this, this isn't what he said, but the vibe I got maybe was, well, we should be listening to children because children are the only people you can't tell to shut the fuck up. Ugh. So they're like honest, but I can't tell if he's saying that like earnestly as if, you know, we should listen to children about, you know, client science, client science, client science concerns that they have. Or I couldn't tell if he was saying it, you know, aggressively like, you know, you, you can't tell kids to shut the fuck up and that's a problem. They should shut the fuck up. Like, I couldn't tell. I couldn't <laughs> tell which way. And I wasn't going to go find the context and listen to, you know, an hour of, I don't know who that guy is. or you know, Yeah, what. I didn't know either. It was just a random TikTok. Hey, let me take your rope off. Well, I think his point was, is that... Uh, people that kind of do like the climate fear side of it like uh children to be their mascot like greta because and this is i think his point that they want them to be the mascot because you can't tell the mascot to shut up or else you're an asshole not that he doesn't think that uh kids don't have anything good to say it's just that you become an asshole when you tell a child to shut up (laughs) yeah Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how adults should interact with children. So so where are we at with the, the, the client? So you, where you're at is that you believe that our CO2 levels are definitely increasing due to human uh, activity, right, over the last 150 years or whatever. So the Industrial Revolution then on has massively spiked our CO2 in the atmosphere to hugely ahistoric levels you're on board with that right yeah at least in recent times i think it's been higher in different portions of earth's history but yeah oh right yeah i'm just talking about since humanity has cared right so so it could be that millions of years ago the earth was an unlivable hellscape with higher co2 but that really doesn't matter like all i care about is like (laughs) whether or not earth is habitable for humans to live on or not so, but then my understanding is that you're also, you, you also don't think we're in any kind of climate uh, crisis situation. Uh, so even though CO2 levels are way up, that it's not a crisis and that there's not likely to be massive shifts in, in climate that will affect um, crops and whether or not people can live in certain areas because they've been... They were living on islands, and the islands are now all underwater, and you can't grow crops in Iowa anymore because the crop band has moved up into Canada or Siberia or whatever. Or, like, you don't think any of that is happening, or what, what do you think is going on? Well, I do think, well, I don't know which one to address first. I think there's like 20 questions in there. <laughs> I think that... Whenever I read an official study, especially ones done by, like, the United Nations Climate Group, it's definitely not the apocalyptic nightmare that everybody makes it out to be. That's kind of my biggest point. I certainly believe that in global warming, that raising CO2 levels will raise the temperature. 
but I'm not convinced that any technology right now that we have will make a difference. And, and I think that a lot of times the solutions that we try to propose are just a waste of money. That we have, we're, we're pissing money away on subsidies for cars for rich people that isn't going to make a significant impact. So, so Iceland is, is, my understanding is that Iceland is powered by geothermal largely uh-huh. and a lot of wind and a lot of solar or whatever, but Iceland as a country has managed to become cl- uh, carbon neutral, I guess. So they're not pumping any CO2, additional CO2 into the atmosphere because they have other sources of power. And I think you and I are both on the same page that nuclear power is probably a good way to go oh, in yeah. terms of, hey, it's not pumping CO2 into the atmosphere and hopefully we can manage the risks. And the danger of pumping all that CO2 is way worse than the danger of nuclear catastrophes, right? So yeah. I think we do have a bunch of technologies that do make a big difference. Nuclear power makes a big difference. Nuclear does. Uh, I guess I was kind of referring to uh, wind power and solar power. Specifically. You're saying that wind and solar, you're skeptical that wind and solar technology as it currently stands is, is sufficient, or you're just skeptical that a bunch of the projects that are being proposed aren't actually as effective as they think they are, or what are you, what are you saying? Well, maybe there's a couple of questions that I have to start off. So let's let's group all those except for nuclear into a category called uh, renewables. What they call it? renewables. Yeah. <laughs> so some renewable renewables are things. At least from my understanding, there's like newer re- renewables, and then there's I don't know, like classic renewables the stuff that was before the newer renewables like oh yeah like, like solar wood. panels have gotten way better over what? the last 20 years solar panels for example have gotten way better oh the they have but years. i guess what i'm trying to say is that whenever we see renewables in a report i think they refer to burning tree wood i'm not aware of any burning tree like, wood being a good idea like i mean that's i mean that's kind of my understanding is that they kind of fall into that category missy my understanding is if you're burning something, you're not being ecologically friendly. Right. I thought that uh, renewables, anytime they're given in a statistic, included the old type and the new type. And I don't know how that country is becoming, like, neutral. I'd certainly like to see how that is. But different countries' ab- avail- uh, availability to do something like that kind of determined is determined by... The situation that we're in. Oh, yeah. Iceland's sitting on a ton of geothermal, which makes it very convenient to do geothermal. Yeah. So, so what are you skeptical about? Well, that um, uh, re- using renewables is a viable way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, basically. Well, what do you mean? Like every solar farm that gets built is offsetting however many kilowatts or megawatts of fossil fuels that would otherwise be burned. How is that not effective? Well, it's effective effective in the terms of bang for your buck. Oh, you're saying it. You're saying renewables work, but they're not. They're but they're too expensive. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're too expensive for what you get out of it. I think right. that. Uh, so if oil was a penny a gallon and we could just burn it all right yeah that's cheaper but we end up in the climate disaster scenario that we're trying to avoid right yeah i I think the best case scenarios that i've ever seen is going down our current path with renewables with solar power and wind we'll stave off we'll just postpone what would happen in 20 2100 to 2101 and that's not a solution to me that's all i'm trying to say (laughs) postpone spending all this money to postpone something one year is is not real good (laughs) so if i can install solar panels today and they pay themselves off within 20 years right meaning that the money i didn't spend on oppd burning coal on my behalf got offset 
the, the cost of my solar panels got offset over 20 years. I see. Right? Then that's fine, right? That's a break even, and I just decide whether or not I want to spend that money to get my money back over 20 years, right? Your money back or the subsidies plus your money? I don't know. Well, I think that's kind of where I think we might differ is that uh, is that we try to subsidize that stuff at really huge cost to us so that the end consumer doesn't see high costs. And then they may pay it back over 20 years with the, the stuff that's used. But over the lifetime of it, it, it won't pay itself back in total costs in your cost plus the subsidies costs. Okay. So what should we do about subsidies to the fossil fuel companies versus subsidies to the renewables companies? I, I think our best solution right now is not give subsidies to anybody except for scientists and engineers and creators that can come up with a better idea. So we, we cut off the billions of dollars to ExxonMobil or whatever, and we cut off the billions of dollars or whatever to Tesla or whoever. Yeah. And we fund science to hopefully progress to making our technologies better. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of cool ideas out there and things that we've already done that make things better that were basically um, from scratch ideas. And they've made worlds better improvements, but they just don't get the news, I think, that things like wind and solar get. Missy? So like what? Things like wind and solar get because they're kind of like these visible things. You know, you drive down Iowa and you see these uh, wind farms and you're like, oh, wow, look at what Iowa is doing They're It looks so amazing. Look at what they're doing for the environment. But it's not really saving anything. It's it's like like wind and solar to me at this point have not progressed to a a valuable reduction in solar emission or uh, greenhouse emissions to call them anything other than political grandstanding. That's what they are to me. Yeah, so if they were 100 times more effective... I'd be all for them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So your, your concern is that they're not effective enough, and they're not cost-efficient enough, and they're not offsetting climate change enough yeah. to make them worth doing. Right. Okay, and so give me an example of what is not solar and what is not solar and not wind that is a really good idea that somebody's not funding. Because uh, wind and solar get all the press. Well, and, and this is it. I, I think the other things are just promising ideas. They could be failures, but it would be a relatively small investment compared to subsidies for something that we know doesn't work already. And one of them is I think they're trying to develop um, algae um, into a type of fuel. You know how, like, they take the corn here in Nebraska – and they turn it into ethanol, yeah. and it ends up being worse for the environment. <laughs> but taking this algae and turning it into usable fuel is actually kind of expensive, but it's good for the environment. And I, I'd like to see us take these new ideas and put some money into that and see if it works out. And, and let's say... Oh, I, th- I thought they were taking algae and burying it as a carbon offset. Uh, they might be. I, I know I saw, like, an idea on YouTube to, like, just grow a bunch of trees and cut them down and bury the trees. <laughs> but <laughs> it could be an, a carbon offset thing, too. But the one that I saw was it's a way to kind of make um, efficient forms of gasoline for cars. Like a better version of ethanol, basically. But it, right now it's really expensive to do and harvest. And I'm not saying that all of these ideas that you know are proposed as alternatives would turn out okay but let's say we invest in 10 of them and we get one that's actually extremely useful to me you could do that all 10 of those at one one thousandth of the cost of subsidies and then you have the chance at least of finding something in the you know like a diamond in the rough rough that is it rough or raw i think it's rough diamond in the rough Whatever, doesn't matter. That could be just my hickiness, hickness coming out. Not sure how to say it, but anyways. If you I find just... one thing that's good, and, and then there's other alternatives to nuclear that we could be investing, you know, in, uh, resources in as alternatives. I, I, just, I just don't like to see our money 
wasted away um, on things that, as far as, even though you're right, that solar panels and things like that have become efficient, uh, spending all, all this money on stuff that's like a current technology that we know is not going to work in its current form just doesn't seem like the right answer to me. Yeah. So it strikes me that if you subsidize a thing, that's how you get more of the thing and better versions of the thing over time. So it it feels to me like an investment in our tax dollars of where we want the technologies to go. It doesn't feel like a waste of money. It feels like we're trying to build a better world. So, and I yeah, get we, that we should stop. Uh, I, I think we should stop with the subsidies to fossil fuel companies as much as we try to encourage the renewable companies, or more so, probably. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, you know. you know how I feel about subsidies to companies. I, I just don't think that we should be giving any money to Exxon. I don't even know why we do that. I have no it does it blows my mind that we would be giving money to as a subsidy to Exxon. Now, if they applied for a grant to explore some new technology, like maybe it's Exxon that came up with this algae idea and they they apply to the government for a grant to do some research on how to make algae more cost efficient. I mean, I'd be all for that. Alex, are you tired, buddy? He might be tired. We ran the crap out of him yesterday. Yesterday? You've had a whole day to recover. What's so, this yesterday excuse? And I, I think that that's what kind of turns a lot of people off is they don't hear something that they think will work, and and everything else seems to be like this... Um, Oh my God! Our kids are going to burn in this flaming planet that's going to not have a habitable habitable place to live. But that's I just don't see any studies that show that. Uh, my understanding of the the worst case scenario is that we shift the climate so much that where we've been growing crops for centuries can no longer support crops, and where we haven't been growing crops because they won't grow might now have the temperatures to support growing crops but the soils aren't good at growing crops there because they haven't been growing they haven't been cycling the grasslands in the u.s for example for thousands or hundreds of thousands of years well not hundreds of thousands because it was thirty thousand years ago the last ice age was here so or was that 30 million? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know anything. But <laughs> my, my, my concern about the, or my, my understanding of the worst case scenario is that we're going to have mass starvation because we can't grow food for 7 billion people because the places that are currently producing food, the weather changes so drastically that they can't, we can't grow that much food anymore there. That's my understanding. Oh. So, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, if 4 billion people die because we can't feed them. That's a climate crisis, if you ask me. So, so and I think, so I, I think I hear about those studies on the news, but I never see anything, any peer-reviewed studies that suggest that that model that they're using is appropriate. And case in point, I, I think there was a 2019 study I think that talked about um, how CO2 is actually. It's not, a, it's not clear whether or not, as far as farming goes, whether or not higher levels of CO2 is a positive or a negative because it's also a fertilizer. And in 2019, there was a study that basically showed that there's more vegetation on the earth right now, and the earth is more green than it has been for the last hundred years. In other words, the more CO2 we get, the more the Earth counteracts it by the fertilization effect of CO2, which causes more vegetation to grow more easily. Yeah, that's if we're not clear-cutting the rainforests, right? What's, 
Like, oh, yeah. Like CO2 as a fertilizer is only helpful if you have plants that need it that are there. And if we clear-cut forests, then there's nothing there to grow. You know? Yeah. And I, I think the subsidies, as far as that goes, is part of the problem as well. Like, I know California, like, subsidizes crops that should simply be grown somewhere else by lowering the water prices so that they can grow, like, things like uh, uh, anything from, like, rice to... Uh, to walnuts. <laughs> well, the water prices are driven by the mega drought, right? And the what? fact that there's hardly any fucking water left in California and the Southwest in general is becoming pretty fucking arid, right? Oh, right. Well, I guess part of my point is part of the problem and, and the solution is to stop subsidizing crops that require a shitload of water. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why we do that. You know, like, Yeah, agreed. Yeah, one of the signals that we're growing too much corn is supposed to be that the corn price will go just down. Yeah. So more farmers will think, huh, maybe I shouldn't grow so much corn. But if the farm bill props up everybody that is or isn't successfully growing any corn forever, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. you have generations of farmers who just grow corn because that's what they do. Yeah. And they don't, you know, think about it. It's like, okay, well, we'll just grow more corn again this year like we always do. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why we continue to do the farm bill at all. Politics, baby. Good girl, Mitzi. Yeah, it's... uh... I was watching a TED Talk from a guy. I forget. We'll have to link it in the show notes if I remember. A TED Talk where this guy was like, well, so the problem in America that we have is that, uh, yes, we elect somebody, but the uh, the person that we get to elect is based on however the, uh, what's that called? <clears throat> so the general election is where you pick from an extremely short list of people, and those extremely short list of people have all been selected by the, um, what's that called? Uh, Electoral College? No, the, so the the Democrats pick somebody, and that's called the something election, and the Republicans pick somebody, and that's called the whatever election. Oh, uh. Not the general election, this is the primaries, right? So, the, yeah, that's Oh, it. primary, I see what you're so saying. The, so the primaries are so massively money-driven that the problem is that democracy is not really working because all the moneyed interests get to control what the selection is. And it's only at the end of the process that the people actually select anything. Well, the people are only selecting from the list of approved candidates from the big money pools. And that's how our democracy works. So uh, I'll, have to, I'll link to that TED Talk or send it to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that it gets me about the whole money and politics stuff, too, is that. So. We tried to make it illegal to give donations, right? Before Citizens United. Yeah. Yeah. And then Citizens United said, well, you can't you can't change the general population. You can't. That is their right to speech. Right. So. You can't really say that because the Constitution prohibits it. What what I don't understand is why do we have to focus our laws on people instead of making laws for Congress, right? So why couldn't we just say to – because, like, right now, I can't just arbitrarily expect, you know, get money from a vendor supplier. Like, they can't be like, hey, if if we put $1,000 into your pocket, you know – Will you give us this, you know, million-dollar project? You know, that's, that's illegal for me to do. Well, why is it that Congress doesn't have the same rules? That's you know that's, what I'm saying? That's how like, the whole system works. Yeah. It's like <laughs> campaign finance drives. So 80% of what senators spend their time on is fundraising. Yeah. They don't spend the they're not legislating. They're not worried about the people. They're worried about how they win the next election by raising money 80% yeah. of their time. Well, I don't even know how that would change. 
I mean, they they are interested in getting reelected, and I don't know how that would ever change. But so I agree with you. I guess I don't know how we could change that aspect of it. I mean, would you agree? I mean, no matter what system we had in place, they would generally be worried about getting reelected. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. So the proposal in the TED talk is that small money donations from donors, small capped, is one of the solutions to that. So like, the point being that I'm not allowed to raise a million dollars from a guy. I have to raise a hundred dollars from ten thousand of my constituents, and that way. The people that I'm listening to are the people at large, not the one millionaire. Yeah. That's the small donation. Interesting. Proposal, right? And so apparently they've done this in a few states and cities, and they've passed laws about this is how campaign finance works in this area. On the receiving end or the giving end? Like, who gets thrown in jail if they break that law, I guess? Would it be the politician that's taking the money or the person making the contribution that's too much? Uh, So I assume how it works is that I have to show, as the political candidate, I have to show, well, here's where all my money came from. Uh, And if any of those numbers is over $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever the cap is set to, then that triggers the problem. And then that problem needs to get sorted out because you're not allowed to give a million dollars to me. Yeah. By law, who would get in trouble? The donor or the recipient? I don't know, but the the idea being that it doesn't happen, right? You pass laws that make it so it doesn't happen. Because if a politician has to listen to a thousand people that are their actual constituents and not one person who's a millionaire, that seems to me a better. Oh yeah, better system. Uh, and I guess what my point is is that so like right, Citizens United said you can't do that to people. Because they have a right to speech. They have a right to say, I'm going to give you this money, you know, to support your candidacy, right? Whatever. But I think it also opened up unlimited corporate right. donations. But I guess where I'm going with this is that the uh, the candidate themselves are are either a current government employee or a projected government employee. And as a government employee, we can regulate their actions as an employee, just like my actions as an employee are regulated. In other words, employee, if you take a donation more than $1,000, it's your ass that's on the line, <laughs> not the person that gave you the money. And I'd be okay with that. Right? I mean, that's... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, everything that I know about that comes from an episode of The Wire where suddenly the politicians were trying to spin back donations that, uh, turned out to be from a drug dealer uh, <laughs> guy. <laughs> so well, that's kind of weird. In, in that episode of The Wire, it shows how they've been taking this money forever, but they got caught with their hands in the cookie jar, Alex. you know? And they're like, oh, shit. And so they have to backpedal the whole thing to pretend like they never knew who this was. They never, they don't care who this was. There's no way, you know. Uh, and so it was the attorney general, or no, sorry, it was the the city attorney for the city of Baltimore that was in there saying, asking the hard questions about, hey, this is a violation of this and that and this and that, whatever. So, you know, how, do, how does it actually work as far as people getting in trouble? I have, I have no idea. But yeah. Anyway, the the thought of the law, <laughs> it went downhill, dude. You didn't see it. <laughs> it rolled all the way downhill. You didn't see it leave his paws. <laughs> uh Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've completely lost the various threads we had going on. Oh, yeah. Well, at, at any rate, I do believe in climate change, to get back on the original subject. I just believe that we just need to invest money differently than we do. And, you know, and I think at the bottom line is there's no, I don't know another word, there's no sexiness to giving a grant to a nerdy person scientist trying to come up with or perfect a better idea. It's only politically sexy to say, I'm going to give you subsidies to buy a new car, or I'm going to give you subsidies to buy this solar panel. So you get more stuff. It's only, and, and, and to me, 
not only is it a way for politicians to buy votes, but it's just not good overall. For, it has no impact whatsoever. It has hardly any measurable impact. Uh, I, I guess I'm confused by that because I think it has massive impact because that's why you're unhappy with it. The, the money only gets spent if I, as a consumer, take the government up on the offer of the subsidy. Right. right? So, like, if I bought it, I don't know what the numbers are nowadays, but if I bought a Tesla and I got an $8,000 rebate check, right, it only happens if I did it. So I only get that $8,000 off the sticker price if I actually bought the car. Right. So, of course, it has the effect. Right, but I guess the car at the moment the, is the program, not the best alternative. Yeah, the, the, so the program overall has a budget of a trillion dollars, but that trillion dollars isn't spent until people buy a trillion dollars worth of the... Yeah. Or a hundred trillion dollars worth of the cars. And I guess I just look at it like the money has alternative uses, and instead of giving it to somebody buying a car with current technology, we should invest it in trying to find the next thing that will actually have a big difference. Well, so like, here's an example. So you have a heat pump, right? Yeah. And I just totally replaced my HVAC last year. And I asked the guys about heat pumps, and they kind of poo-pooed me. And I was surprised, and I tried to do Is research, he? and apparently I totally failed. So, pre presumably, somewhere in the buy a heat pump thing is the government of Nebraska saying, well, shit, if we could get people to buy more heat pumps, even though the technology is more expensive right now, hopefully five years from now, one, the technology would come down because the, they're scaling up the number of these heat pump units that they make and two we have less pressure on our electric grid or sorry less pressure on our uh, gas grid and we'd have to pump less gas up from texas which would be a good thing for various reasons because we don't make any natural gas here in omaha right yeah so they say oh, okay well we'll give you a 400 dollars rebate and that's just trying to push me to make the better decision, right? So, like, I think you made the better decision. You only burn fossil fuels in your house when you absolutely have to because it's negative 32 degrees or whatever, right? Whereas me, I'm an idiot, and I'm burning fossil fuels constantly. Even when a heat pump could have done just fine on the electric grid. And it's not perfect because the electric grid is powered by that mountain of coal. Yeah. 10 miles from here, uh, 4 miles from here. But hopefully, as the power grid becomes more carbon-friendly, you are automatically more carbon-friendly, whereas I'm still burning natural gas from Texas. Yeah, I, th I think... I think, generally speaking, on an individual level, I don't think that there's much we can do as an, on an individual level. I but, think but, collectively, as we, I know, that, as you get more collect pe right. individuals, I yeah, get four hundred dollars times yeah. forty thousand Nebraskans—that's a big effect. It, yeah, and hopefully, it's totally worth the four hundred dollars that the taxpayers saddled with, yeah. including me. You know, I mean, I'm—that's my tax money coming back to me <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, but uh, hopefully, that drives the technology to be better. And, you know, some people don't have, some people need the subsidy. Like you and I, I assume, have enough money that we can just choose to do it or not do it, regardless of a $400 swing on a $10,000 item. But, you know, some people don't have the kind of money that we have access to. So yeah. if you make something $400 cheaper, they will buy the cheaper one, period. And if we can make that one be the one that's better for the planet, great, <coughs> right? I think, like, everybody wins. And I'm not saying that they can't get totally out of control, right? Like if we were, if we were siphoning twenty thousand dollars worth of tax money into Elon Musk's pocket every time somebody bought a Tesla, that's way too fucking much money that we're just giving a billionaire for no reason, or for you know good intentions but terrible <clears throat> implementation, right? And I think that's kind of my point is that you know like the electric cars today are what they are, you know, and bringing them down to a price point where they can actually be purchased by more people it doesn't it's not necessarily better for the environment as much as it's really technically just padding elon musk's pocket right uh, 
because at the end of the day, all we care about is the total emissions of anything that's put into service, right? Compared to the savings. And I, I, I think that the best guesses right now are that electric vehicles only save about 20% if you drive the vehicle for the lifetime of the vehicle, which is like eight years or something like that. So like if you're buying a new Tesla every other year because you're getting a subsidy for it, you're not helping the environment. You're actually a net negative towards the environment. And I think that all those things kind of come into play. And that's why I'd rather say, hey, scientists, this is not sexy for me to do as a politician, but I'd rather give you a grant than somebody a subsidy to kind of investigate your idea. And, you know, if it doesn't fail or if it fails, that's just the nature of grants. Well, yeah, most science doesn't work out, but yeah, it's great when it does work out. But I think that's the best opportunity for the future is all. Yeah. Is to redirect money towards science, not individuals buying a car. Yeah. And some of the science can only happen at scale, right? Like you, you only know... Like like knowing knowing a thing hypothetically on paper does a thing is one thing, but knowing oh I've got thirty thousand cars rolling around now and we've just discovered that the composite for the you know wheel axle is bad because this or whatever is different yeah. on electric whatever's and blah 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 blah. Like you only know that at scale, right? So yeah. I think I well, think industry you, and and I can't remember what year this was. But Mercedes, in their effort to be a like green company, they wanted to make the wiring in the cars biodegradable. Make it what? <laughs> biodegradable. They wanted yeah. all the wiring to where it would just decompose in the ground. Well, the problem was, after a couple of years, all the shit was decomposing, and it became this massive deal that if they were to try to fix that, it would just be this incredible cost to the company that they couldn't afford, and they would have went, went bankrupt for so there was a good intent there, and it was maybe a nice idea, but in the grand scheme of things, it really cost a lot of waste. Um, so I see what you're saying. I mean, sometimes we try to do stuff, and, you know, sometimes we're going to try and fail miserably like that. <laughs> and I get that. But uh, I, I, it just doesn't seem like the trillions of dollars worldwide that we're trying to spend on solar panels and wind power changing just delaying what's going to happen by a year is not money well spent to me uh Uh, would you think that's money well spent trillions of dollars to delay something that's going to just just by a year (laughs) well if the if the coming climate crisis is coming and it kills billions of people then there's no amount of money you can spend, which is too much money. Right. Maybe that's actually what we probably should have talked about, is I just don't think there's a crisis. I thought that was my first question. <laughs> oh, no, I, I didn't hear you say crisis <laughs> if you did. But oh. <laughs> I, I definitely pl- believe. So I agree that CO2 raises the Earth's temperature. I, I agree with that. Uh-huh. I believe that global warming is something that we need to address now while we can. I think we just need to use science to address it intelligently and uh-huh. purchasing wind things and solar things right now is not an intelligent way to do it, or electric vehicles, for that matter. Right, but then I, I said 30 minutes ago that if billions of people die because where we can grow our crops all move and the soil's fucked there, that is a, a crisis. Like, it doesn't get more crisisy than an existential oh, it, threat yeah. to humanity. Right? I thought I... I thought I countered that by saying that the earth is more green now than it was 100 years ago because of the fertilizing effect of CO2. And that was a 2019 study, I think. Like, it's significantly more green than it was 10 years ago. So even if that's true, though, that doesn't necessarily mean we can still create the crops we need to feed 7 billion people, right? Oh, right. And and certainly we need to adapt to things, how things change. But that's true no matter whether or not we plant wind farms or solar panels or not, we're going to have to still do that adaptation is kind of my point. Because delaying it by a year is... Yeah, if worthless. we stopped burning <laughs> fossil fuels, then Iowa could keep doing what they've been doing until they run out of fertilizer that they're getting from Russia, right? Yeah. They get so, fertilizer from Russia? 
Yeah, my understanding is that the potash is a huge source of China and Russia, my understanding is, generate a shit ton of the fertilizer that we use to grow our crops in the United States. Really? I thought there was like a place in Utah that produced most of it in the world. But that's just because I lived in Utah. I, I thought that, th- I, I can't remember where it know. is. Maybe it's not I'll even. Have to Google it. I, I thought that our, I thought that our dependence on to our the, the way that we're fertilizing crops today relies massively on imported stuff, I thought. Oh, that could be true. I thought you were just talking about potash in general. Oh, I, I so, pulled potash out of my... I oh. I don't... I didn't I don't even know potash it. was used for fertilizer, but <laughs> maybe what, what, it is. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> but, I'll try to find that and send it to you in Discord, too. I, I do know that potash itself was a major contributor to global pollution back in the day. I, I definitely know that that's a true statement. Like, they used to, like, decimate entire forests just to get the... Just to burn it down and get the potash out of it. Oh, I, I'm probably... I, I said the wrong word. Forget I said that, apparently. Anyway, I'll try to find the fertilizer stuff. You want to get a chase? Here. But no yeah, I, and and that's... So the... I think that's why it's related to Greta. Is that uh, she's kind of just going out of fear. Like, oh my God, the planet's going to be unlivable. But there's no evidence of that, as far as I can tell. Well, if billions of people die, the planet did become unlivable for billions of people, right? But there is no... I I don't see any evidence that uh, billions of people are going to die in any way, shape, or form due to climate change. Really? Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you can find an official peer-reviewed study that says that, I'll I'll bite, right? (laughs) Uh, That's always news things that say that, but I've never seen a study that says that. Have you? No, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> so the, the, the worst case scenario, as I understand it, is the threat to where we grow crops. Yeah. So, one, all the island nations are just underwater now. They're fucked. You know, their nations don't even exist anymore. Uh, Florida's underwater, so anyone who's living in Florida needs to have moved, right? So, yeah. anyway, people start migrating all over the planet because where they were is unlivable. And if we're lucky, new places that used to be unlivable become more livable. So that'd be nice, I guess. But if the crop belts move, like we can't grow the crops we used to grow where we used to grow them, then that transition could be devastating because all of our infrastructure is built where we've been growing the crops for hundreds of years. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I said, too, I, I, I don't think that there's... I, I do think that we would have to adapt, but that's part of the cost yeah, but, that'll be there regardless. But part of adapting in that manner is billions of people die if oh, that's what right. happens, right? Right. So if if we can adapt by just not burning fossil fuels anymore and suffering all the pain and consequences of that, right? Because right now, billions of people are eating food created by the burning of fossil fuels, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So you can't just say, okay, no more fossil fuels tomorrow because billions of people are going to starve because we're making all our fucking food based on fossil fuel consumption. Right. So I'm not saying zero carbon emissions tomorrow is the answer either. Yeah. It, It seems to me that the answer is that you have to transition from what we've been doing historically to what we're very new at doing, which is the renewable energy stuff. And to the extent that we can spend whatever amount of money it costs to get that transition done and billions of people don't die, then we've won because money is just made up. Yeah, so really I guess the question is, if, is it going to be an apocalypse where millions or th- even thousands of people die, which I just haven't seen any evidence? I guess one thing that I disagree on then is – I don't see the catastrophic consequence, consequences that I always hear from people like Greta Thornburg. It's just this fear and crazy, oh, I'm so scared of what's going to happen. Let's just do whatever the costs are. Well, and so, that's what I disagree with. So, so Lake Mead, the Hoover Dam, is lower now than it's ever been since it was constructed. And if it continues on this trend... 
it's going to stop producing electricity, hydroelectric electricity, because there's not enough water to move the turbines. So now you have a crisis. Las Vegas is powered by the Hoover Dam and the entire, you know, and the other cities around there. So now you're going to have climate migration on an epic scale because people either, one, can't get power at any price, or two, can't afford to get power, so they have to migrate anyway, right? So now you're going to have migration out of Las Vegas, or I'm dead wrong somehow. But if I'm dead wrong, I don't know how I'm wrong. So Well, I don't know if we can attribute that to global warming. I think anything that I've seen recently about that in particular says the attribution or attributing that to global warming is on like the extremely low confidence level in any report I've ever seen. Okay. And that generally speaking, globally, there's been no change in participation. I mean, there may be a little bit more, a little bit less over here, over there, but that's kind of normal, I think. Change of stuff yeah. over time. Well, right. And if the if the bar that you're setting for believing climate change could lead to a climate crisis is that you have to be able to prove for sure that climate changes in Arizona are happening because of, you know, global CO2 emissions or whatever. My understanding is you're never going to be able to do that. Like there's, there's no way to do that. So. Well, scientifically, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that all I would need is some level of confidence in that connection, which I've never seen. They, yeah. they do make confident like correlations to climate change in their reports that, that that does exist but you know local things like that it's so uh, let me actually be specific here they say that local things like that i think are like not the worst kind of confidence level but the next level up but they say in the context of the entire entire world, it's hard to make that connection because some places you can't say, well, this changed over here for to be colder or not colder, uh, drier. And this place over here became wetter. That the both of those are due to climate change. You have to have some other sort of way to test that, I guess. At, at any rate, I don't know if it's trying to fear people by saying, well, you, we need to have faith in this being a dangerous situation. I mean, I just want science to tell me that it's a dangerous situation is all I want. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, what I'm worried about is you're going to set the science bar so high that you won't, see, you won't see the disaster coming. And if it's an existential threat, you're, you're going to wait for science to pin it down so precisely that it can't possibly happen and it you know it just happens so well yeah i guess i just try to let science make in their most accurate judgment and if they don't think it's an existential threat then that's kind of what i'm going by i guess if they say it is then we should go by that in other words to bring it back to the tiktok i guess uh what i was trying to say was is that i agreed with the video in the sense that we should listen to scientists not teenage kids that don't really know about it. <laughs> teenage kids that are scared and probably shouldn't be scared. They're just kind of doing the dogmatic thing of what they've been told to be scared. Huh. Yeah. I think they should be scared. I'd be scared if I were them. I mean, any, any long-term analysis I've ever seen by scientists say that they're going to be better off than we are. And I don't really see any evidence otherwise. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, I don't. I mean, if you got some, I'd love to see it. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say because even I are staring at totally different mountains. So. <clears throat> well, uh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. I think you're right. I think we're kind of looking at two different problems. Yeah, I mean, either... Either I'm scared and I shouldn't be because someone who scared me who doesn't know what they're talking about. Or you're not scared and you should be. Right. Because in, in my filter, you're being very skeptical and setting a very high bar 
before you're willing to be concerned about it. So either my bar to be concerned is way too low and unrealistic, or your bar is too high. And given that the downside, if you're right, is nothing, and the downside, if I'm right, is billions of people die, that seems bad. But, you know, that's the same argument well, the, that I use against religion reversed, yeah, right? Yeah. So what is that, the Faustian bargain? I don't know. Yeah, I think... So the Faust- I know what you're talking about. Oh, there's the Frisbee. So, is it the Faustian bargain that I believe in God because I'm afraid that God's going to yeah. punish me if I don't? Okay, interrupting. Uh, this is Editor Jay, and that had nothing to do with the Faustian bargain. That's a totally different thing. What I meant to be talking about was Pascal's Wager. So Pascal's Wager, um, I'll link in the show notes. Pascal argues that a rational person should live as though God exists and seek to believe in God. If God does not exist, such a person would have only a finite loss, some pleasures, luxury, etc. Whereas if God does exist, he stands to receive infinite gains as represented by eternity in heaven and avoid infinite losses and eternity in hell. So, not Faustian bargain. What I meant to say was Pascal's wager. And uh, you can read all about why I personally don't find Pascal's wager uh, convincing, I'm sure, in all the arguments against Pascal's wager, if you want to click on the Wikipedia article and look at that. All right, back to the episode. Right. And I I think the only thing I would add to your analysis, which I completely agree with. Analysis is a very (laughs) strong word for my bullshit. is Is that I don't think there's no consequences, negative consequences for just choosing your route because if we think it's this big horrible thing that's coming and we invest money otherwise that could have been more appropriately used it could maybe cause a lot more long-term thing so like right now i'm looking at it like it's manageable right that's the way i look at it it's manageable what is global warming really (laughs) and if we inappropriately spend money (laughs) Because we think it's a crisis and it's not, that could be really disastrous. Uh, and that's kind of where I stand with it. I, don't, I, I haven't really seen any scientists that say it's a crisis. It's all news that says it's a crisis. Huh, I, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> because it's not, it's not exciting to say, oh, hey, this report uh, had this thing on there where uh, – all this wind and solar we're doing is only going to change the outcome of climate global warming by shifting it one year total and to 2101. <laughs> like that's not, that's not entertaining. Nobody's going to click on that clickbait. <laughs> you know, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> but either way, I guess maybe, maybe I need to get some more books. Oh, I, I've I've read zero books, so I'm sure I'm not high roading you on that. Oh uh, no, I, I, I definitely. I mean, I try to have these conversations so I can get pointed in the right direction. If I am in the wrong direction, you know, I mean, yeah, I, don't know. I, can, I could be. I'll just keep sending you shit. There was a point where I thought that global warming wasn't a thing. It was a long time ago. But anyways, right. thanks for bye. Doggy. Thanks, thanks for the podcast. podcast. Thanks for doggy pals. <laughs> How long were we out here?